November 28th, 2021. We're continuing in Nefesh HaChayim and Sha'ar Dalid, Perek Tetvav. We began it last week. It's page 697 here in this uh, blue book. And uh, we're toward the bottom of the page over here. We did the first, uh, let's call it, two big paragraphs. We're up to this third one where there's the, I don't know, filled-in bullet point. Vehu harode u'moshel bako. So, as I mentioned last week, from Perek Tetvav, for the next six or so Perakim and Nefesh HaChayim, it's not off-topic, because the whole Sha'ar is about Talmud Torah, but it's not in terms of a direct uh, trajectory that perhaps he had been leading us in until now. He's going to take a short break, a short respite, to talk about different ma'alot of Torah, different important features of Torah, which are as a result or come through the study of Torah. It says, As a person who studies Torah, he's the rodeh and moshel bakol, he's the ruler and the controller of all. What's he referring to? He's referring to human beings. He's not. It says, it's a reference to dinin bishim. Bish, of course, in Aramaic means bad, means evil, means ra. Dinin, of course, we're referring to the energy. Evil energy will be mistalekin me'alav. You won't have any of those issues, and he's going to be speaking, as the hachamim do, even in the physical sense, through study of Torah, a person's able to avoid difficulty, catastrophe, Illness will be the simple interpretation. And there won't be any control over the person who studies Torah, if he's, if he's doing it appropriately. Is this today's talk? Amazing. Fantastic. It's every single week. This is literally every single week. Something is getting aligned properly over here. Anyway, so the statement is the Gemaran Masechet Berachot is Bishimon Ben Lakish, that's Resh Lakish, a person who studies Torah, a person who immerses himself in Torah. Yisurin, of course, means sufferings, tortures, difficulties. Bedelin Hemenu, Lehibadel means to separate. They're separated from him. In other words, you have safety, you have security. He then cites from Masechet Eruvin, Hashberosho, a person whose head is hurting him. Yasot Batorah, the top of page 699. Hashbigrono, a person whose throat is hurting him. Yasot Batorah, Shneemar Vechule. Hashbemeav, a person who has intestinal pain. You have pains, you have difficulties throughout your body. Yasot Batorah, Shneemar. Ulechol besaro marped pasuk in Mishle, reference to Chokmat Torah. It's for Chol besaro marped for all of your flesh. Marped is that keen signon ze amru bevayikrara ba parasha yodbet tanhuma parashat aikim midrash tehilim is moriotet ayin sham. It's the statement of the Hachamim in a very simple and straightforward fashion. They're not talking necessarily about higher issues and matters. They're talking very, it appears, physically. If you're physically ailing. The study of Torah will in some way aid you. Now, of course, you could talk about that psychologically. You could say it takes your mind off of the pain. It's distracting. But then you're not talking about the nature of Torah, per se. You're talking about distractions in, in general. So if that, were, if that were the intent, then movies are no different than Torah. It can't be what the Hachamim have in mind. Something in their words, and it's what Nefesh HaChayim will be teasing out throughout this Perek, is that through this potency, inner potency and power of Torah, there's the ability to overcome physical ailments and physical 
physical detriments and difficulties. We'll, we'll hopefully address that and talk a little bit further about it. Who will raise me up from Afar Dal, from the dust of, uh, of being destitute and, and impoverished? Adam person who sinned abundantly, and as a result, he has a kenas, he has a penalty of death, a heavenly death. He in turn did Over here, and really, if I'm not mistaken, Perik Lamed Aleph will elaborate more upon this. It's specifically in the context of kapara. It's not per se in my life that through Torah I avoid, I overcome these difficulties. It's if I'm seeking a, a, atonement, if I'm looking for kapara, the study of Torah, which this part is not so far into us. We've addressed it in the past. We say it every day in the tefillah, as I've pointed out. is fulfilled through Again, the statement is, is not as clean and as fitting to this pedic, because this pedic might be addressing that as well. But specifically, this pedic is talking about in the everyday life. If you're looking to overcome these ailments, not when, you're, when you're, your back is up against the wall, when you're, when you're facing uh, execution, so then you're doing it as kapara. This is just as a lifestyle he's been describing it. Okay, so he threw this in. He throws it in really for this next statement. Pasuk at the beginning of Shira Shirim. Or the king brings you into his inner chambers. The same way in some shape or fashion, God, so to speak, has these inner chambers of Torah. So to each individual who studies Torah, immerses himself appropriately, has their own chambers of Torah. And if in turn you see, life is becoming painful, roots lehadre Torah, run to those inner chambers. Again, you could speak about the psychologically, which is not the direction I believe he's going in or we should go in. You could say you just uh, take yourself away from those distractions. Life is difficult, run away from it. Where are you gonna run to? To the enveloping nature and safety net of Torah. Not so fast. He's not even talking about that. Aren't they also, I forgot this verse, but that say that The Gemara Masech Berachot has a well-known mahluk about whether Yisurin Shel Ahava is a reality or not. You know, it's not fully clear. Biochanan seems to embrace them. Others, in other words, it's, that, that's a, an ascetic uh, thought in general. Do we, does God torture us with the intent of, so to speak, even to the righteous, even to the Sadiqim, Ahava, it cleanses you in some way or fashion. All right, so the Gemara is not clear that there's one operative voice over there and one vision on this. I'd like to say we, generally speaking, avoid Yisurim. We don't just embrace them. Rabbi Yohanan, who had the death of several children, would show the bone. I think it was Rabbi Yohanan, right? He would show the bone and say, Den Garmai. He would point to it and say that, you know, God really loves me. Uh, it's not, I'm, I, I'm not saying it's an after-the-fact uh, trying to make the best of the circumstance. I am saying it's a vantage point. As is discussed, it's generally speaking, we don't envision the direction of our relationship with God as Yisurin, as coming mitoch ahava. And these are the sources, you know, kind of countering that, because why are you running from it? If Yisurin is supposed to be embraced, so why are you running from it? 
cleanses you in some way or fashion. But if that's the case, so why go to Torah? You know what I'm saying? It seems to be that the Torah is the avoidance of it. So you might argue, and you might be right about this as well, that even within the vantage point of Yisurin Shela Ahava being positive, in other words, there is Ahava with them, you still can achieve it in a different way. You can do it through Torah. So in other words, you can either have him on your mind through the torture and the pain, or you could do it through the more comfortable direction of Torah. You could, the general direction of the Hachamim, certainly in my mind, Harambam, I think explicitly in the Moreh, thank you, Ralph, is to negate, is to negate such an approach. Yeah, all right. So I'm, I'm, not, 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 I'm not getting too much into it. Well, I made clear, I, I'm, not, I'm not negating the game. I'm not as Maimonidean as that. I won't just, uh, a matter of factly, uh, negate it. That's, well, that's, that's the direction of Nefesh Hayim. That's what he's going in. But again, the question is, are we seeking a solution? If it's Yisurin Shel Ahava, so then why am I escaping it? Well, you you say say What's that? He will, at the end of the Perek, seek to distinguish or to, seek, to see whether we should distinguish between Lishma or Shelo Lishma, but we're well familiar with the statement in several places, most notably in Masechet Pesachim and Dafnun, Shelo Lishma Balishma. So even if there's not the proper intention, if ultimately speaking you're immersing yourself in that realm, it doesn't mean that you can't establish a relationship without a Lishma. It'll help you. It will help you. So it'll help my stomach pain if I get even Right. We'll have to figure out why. We'll have to figure out why ma'asim b'chol yom is that it doesn't work that way. So I, I understand the way you resolve it, uh, uh, Ralph. You say it just means that we've been doing it shalolishma. Not so certain. Certainly, and he made this point earlier. You're right. Earlier in the Perakim, he suggested you should even have a Teshubah moment at the onset of your study of Torah. Words, you're supposed to think like that. There's no question about that. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying, Ravi, is over here, he's, you're past the Teshubah moment. You're now Yisurin Bain Alav. Now again, there's that Gemara Masech Berachot we've discussed on many occasions as well. It's related to this. Are you supposed to turn to Torah when Hash Berosho, or Yefashvesh B'Maasav, or Yikra Kiryat Shema, or Yazkir Yom Hamitana? Those are all facets. And the question, Torah, generally speaking, comes first. Torah comes first. It's when Torah doesn't work that you kind of work your way toward those. That's how we generally assume. Again, but his overarching theme over here, I think, is clear, and we're touching on it again. And that is, he's speaking in a very, it appears, literal sense that Torah has the ability to protect from or to ward off Yisurin. As what says, Derashavir and Tanad Veliyashineimar, Lech Ami Bo Behadarecha. The Pasuk in Yeshayah has a description of Hadarecha, your chambers, your rooms. The Kach Neimar Heviani Amel Hadarav, Nachila Venisme Habach. That which you raised us up and, and, and elevated us. You created for us those hadarim with keter Torah. It's probably a reference in this context to the Gemara Shabbat and that we got keterim 
from the Malachi Hasharet at that time period. What are the Kitarim? And this will touch a little bit on the direction over here. Rashi, if I'm not mistaken, has two words over there. Miziv HaShekhinah. The Kitarim of Torah, which were achieved during the time of Matan Torah. This is also in the Chok this week. Is Miziv HaShekhinah means from the presence of God. In other words, these Kitarim, this, this, this protective measure of Torah is in some way associated to, with and again, Ralph, you're right, Lishma will aid in this to a relationship, to an understanding, to a cognizance of the presence of God. A little bit more, Visham Bepedeke, Vayihem Maholechim Haloch Vedaber, Spasuk by Elisha and Eliyahu, Vendaber Ela Divre Torah, the Derashas, they're speaking words of Torah, Ukshte Nishtalach Malach, and when the Malach is then sent to take Eliyahu, out of this world, and this is not even evil per se, we're taking Eliyahu, we're not doing evil to him by taking him, but nonetheless, he's untouchable during the time of Torah. It's a protective... David also the Gemara Masechet Sota, which he cites at the end. Yes, and Gemara has another one or two cases by Emoraim as well. Anyway, but that's the case. That's the that's the case he's making over here about Torah having this ability to be protective. So I'd like to go ahead, please. If if done if done appropriately, nefesh hahayim as I mentioned in Perik Lamed Aleph, he will touch on those enigmatic words of Resh Lakish and Masechet Yoma, who distinguishes between Teshuvah Mi'ira and Teshuvah Me'ahava. Right, and the, the Gemara never, Resh Lakish never explains what's Teshuvah Me'ahava. Teshuvah Mi'ira, we assume, is Perik Aleph through Perik Gimal Vilchot Teshuvah. It's harata, you have regret. It's vidui, you verbally confess. It's kabbalah lahaba, you accept the future. And so forth, that's teshubah mi'ira. What's teshubah me'ahava? And that's the elevated higher level of teshubah. Teshubah. Harambam never... Harambam never... I know, I know Harambam. Thankfully, I know Harambam Hilcho. I know, I know. I know. I called it enigmatic for that reason. I said Teshubah Mi'ira, we know from Perikal through Perikima. My... I know. But that's the way we can describe what he's talking about. You want to call that Teshubah Me'ahava? Bechabod Rav. It doesn't sound like that because he's talking about the Arba'ah Hilukeh Kapara and Perikal Falachadalek. Does not appear as if something that would be relevant. It's a debate. Marana Hidam and Hathinuch and others. You don't need Arbaat Hiluke Kapara if you did Teshubah Me'ahava. Teshubah Me'ahava, the Zidonot becomes Zichuyot, which means to say your past wrong deeds, purposeful wrong deeds, become merit now. There's no mention of that in any of Ilchot Teshubah. The closest you come is in Perek Zain, but separate conversation. But again, I assume, all right, assumption, if you, if you must, that Perek Alf to Perek Gimal describe the standard Teshubah, we call that Teshubah Meir. What's Teshubah Me'ahava? What does it mean that I did something wrong and it now becomes a merit? How is that possible? Nefesh HaHayim will, in Perek Lamed Aleph, suggest that through Talmud Torah. Now, the only way to achieve Ahava, Be'ahavata Tishketamit, Ahava being a constant uh, presence and so forth, is only through the vantage point in the direction of Torah. So, he, I, 
important question, separate conversation, 25 approaches to that matter. But, but what I can tell you is, the description is if done properly, yes, Torah could be your Teshubah. I would not suggest it for one of two reasons. First and foremost, of course, we're familiar with progression, which means to say, and the poskim, well, the mefarshim discuss this, that teshubah me'ahava might not be accessible without teshubah mi'ira, which precedes it. In other words, if you're looking to enter into a relationship with another, you tiptoe into it appropriately. I've been turning away from you for the past period of time, and now I'm gonna start just slowly turning toward you and explaining to you that I was wrong in what I was doing in the past. And I regret it, and I'm looking forward to a better conversation. So now, what's that? Why do I have to be in the same situation with the same person, the same city, the same You're mixing a lot of things here, Ralph. I don't know. Perfect. Now you're bringing me to Perek Teshubah, which is an all that's Teshubah Gimuras, altogether different reality. I don't know, I guess we gotta learn Hilchot Teshubah together. But what I'm telling you is, I have too many classes at this point, and what I'm telling you is, Teshubah, what I'm telling you is, Teshubah Mi'ira, generally speaking, we assume precedes Teshubah Me'ahava, which means to say, if I look to rush into this relationship, it won't be successful, it won't have the proper perspective and mindset, because I haven't preceded it in the appropriate so why, progressive why, fashion. Why do I have to wait for That, that's an important question. I'm not sure how it's relevant to this, but I will tell you. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, you need to inch into it. You certainly can and should make your way to a relationship through Torah. There's no question. But the relationship needs to be begun with a kapara vantage point. You need to start with kapara. You can't just get into ahava without first achieving that kapara. A longer conversation. Anyway, just to touch on, on his general perspective over here, on the hachamim's perspective, here's the way I'd like to do it. I'll start with two pesukim, the first of which is, uh, is a pasuk I touch on from time to time. Uh, in, in similar context, the pasuk says in Bereshit Perek Bet, the command to Adam, That's a very strange pasuk. We kind of accept it. But the words are that God commands Adam, and now you're expecting not to eat from Esadat. That's the words you're expecting. It's not what it says. He commands him to eat from all the trees of the garden. He commanded him to eat from all the trees of the garden. Then he continues, I don't understand. That's the sivui. When we use the word misvah, sivui, we mean a command. A command is not to eat my lunch or my dinner or my breakfast. A command is what I'm supposed to eat on Pesach. A command is how to eat on Shabbat, how to eat on Purim. The command is what to eat your meals during the day. But that's what the Pasuk says, Vaisav. The first sivui in the context of the Gan is this one, is to eat all the trees. That's a strange command. But it's, but it's more than that. But it's more, but it's more than that. It's not just allowance. It's sivui. But mitzvah is a strange word in this context. He's commanding us to eat from them. I, I, that, my children certainly don't see that as love. I can tell you that much. But what I can tell you is, what I can tell you is the vayesav is just because you can say he gives it to him. Fantastic. Vayisav is a strange word. What's that? Of course, we're going in the same type of direction. Absolutely. It's not as clear over there. 
Over there it doesn't say sheshit yamim. We doresh. It's more of a derasha ta'avod ve'asitukum lachdech ve'yam ha'shevi'i. So we interpret it along those lines. But Pasuk doesn't say, Vaisav Hashem Elohim la'avod sheshet yamim. Over here it's Vaisav Hashem Elohim. Just strange words, not difficult to understand words. If you take them um, at face value, which I think you should. So the, I, I for long have thought about these words. I've suggested similar approaches, but I'll read to you two, which generally speaking, in the broader perspective, amount to the same thing. The first one is, Rikanati, Rebbeinu Menachen Rikanati, preceded Maran, I think he's of the late 14th, maybe early 15th century, maybe mid-15th, I'm not exactly sure when he lived, he's, but I know he's before Maran, Maran quotes him, he's an Italian Kabbalist, so he's an early Kabbalist, and he's Doresh, this Pasuk has got to be later, because he's quoting from Zohar, so he's late, it's probably, probably uh, mid-14th or early 15th century uh, Kabbalist, so he makes a Derashah, he says, well, here's how you have to read the Pesukim, I'm going to tell it to you outside, we can read a little bit inside afterwards, it says, Mikol Tochel is a is a command in the following fashion. If you're interested in eating from Etz Hadat, translated in our terminology as, if you're interested in living a human life, you must do it by eating from all of these trees, meaning including the Etz Hayim. I'm permitting Achila from Etz Hadat, meaning human life, meaning human endeavors and understanding, that's yidi'atov ara, if you couple it with achila from everything, meaning even from etzahayim, which translated in our terminology is, I'm permitting you to go out and to involve yourself in this world, provided that you have Torah together with it, because you ate your etzahayim. That's the direction. He quotes, from, he quotes from Zohar along those lines in the second line. Look at the second line, the third line over here, the second paragraph. These are the words of Zohar. You're allowed to eat them all together. What's the proof? Abraham and Yaakov, my words, lived in this world, lived the life of Tov and Ra, and they all lived. I thought you're supposed to drop dead when you eat from Eitz Adat. It must be. Ma'it, a person who eats from it individually and by itself, just lives in this world, just lives a human existence, dies. You ate some hamavit, you ate the elixir, the, uh, the, the, um, the poison. poison of life. And that's what the Pasuk means. If you eat just from it, motamut. If you followed my sivoy and you ate from all, meaning it's hahayim as well, that'll bring you life. Again, just to take a step back over here for our purposes, listen to the words in the Pesukim. The Pesukim are describing in the most literal sense, of course we'll need to a little figurative this, but in the most literal sense, if you're seeking life, well, don't just eat from it's our interpretation, if you're seeking life, eat from Eitz HaHayim as well. Now let's just take another step backward. If you live a human life, and Adam Bam certainly touches on this in the Moreh, if you're living a human life with your own desires, your own temptations, your own inclinations, you're going to, by definition, find for yourself unhealthy ways of life. Yisurin Yavo Alaf. You're going to create those contexts for yourself. 
by definition. If you live a life of emet, well, that's going to be a life without taking into account genetic predispositions and pollution and everything that we've inherited in this world. If you lived in a neutral world and you're living by emet, you're living a long, if not eternal life, right? That's the type of life. It's true you have a physical body and at some point it'll deteriorate, but you're living a lot longer than you'll be living right now. It means to say if you're seeking life, and I'll say it in the literal sense, certainly in the spiritual sense as well, but even in the literal, physical sense, well, it has to be coupled with a perspective of, well, what's the godly approach to this? How do I determine what's the godly approach to this? Well, that's Torah. Well, that's what Nefesh HaHayim is telling us. That's what Divrei HaChamim are throughout. If you're seeking the proper perspective in life to avoid, to get out of this predicament I'm in, I brought myself into this pain because, well, I can't figure out why, how I brought myself into this. Well, let me take a step back. How am I going to get that clarity of vision? And my father, for many years, had, had sciatica. I'm, listen carefully, Jared, and I'm getting it now also, amazingly. Anyway, had sciatica, and then until, uh, I tried acupuncture and so forth, whatever, until, and I heard the story from 100,000 people afterwards, this fellow who wrote this book, Sarno. Sarno is the, is the guru over here. What's that? That's the book I lent it's you. The book you lent me. I said I heard it from 100,000 people. I mean it. You lent it to me. I just, someone just told me about it. Someone just told me about a lot of time he spent with him and so forth. What's the general direction of it? That it's all in your mind. You're talking about physical ailment all in your mind. I'm not ter- turning Sarno into Torah. But I am turning him into, in this perspective, an emet perspective. That's what he's, he's teaching you how to see and understand your body properly. Torah is giving you that in the general sense, in the general and, and a more prati perspective on life. How are you able to now determine what should I, what should I not be involved with? How can I, how can I not endeavor upon these uh, trails of life? Uh, my father's rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Lichtenstein, called attention to these pesukim as well. He, to the extent that he made the following bold statement, he said, Jews believe that we have Choba and we have Reshut. I mean, you can't find a more religious statement than this, right? This is from a clean-shaven clean rabbi, I should add, right? He says, Jews believe we have Choba and we have Reshut. He says, there's no such thing. You want the proof? Vaisav. The Pazuk says that the Reshut domain, my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, is a Sivui. What do you mean it's a Sivui? It means that if you encapsulate your life through this broader and larger overarching theme known as Torah, well, every action is then determined through, well, what's Sibui Habore? He talks about Ramban's words at the beginning of Parashat Kedoshim, which I love to cite. My mother taught me them as a young child and would repeat them to me, still does, with tears in her eyes. Ramban says, what's the interpretation to Kedoshim Tihiyu? What does it mean to be holy? So, of course, Rashi says, Pirushim in Ha'arayot, says Ramban, beautiful, but too narrow. Kedoshim Tiyun needs to be broader. What does it mean? It's a person who thinks, and this is correcting it, that a naval dershuta Torah is permitted. It's what Rabbi Lichtenstein calls a glot kosher hedonist. A hedonist is a person who goes after their pleasures. It's a person who eats only the finest kosher meat, drinks the finest kosher wines, and has only permitted sexual relations. Now, all permitted, all kosher, all glot kosher, yet, that's the entirety of their life. So they found themselves as a glad kosher hedonist. Now, to be kadosh means in those domains to understand this is, seems like a devar reshut, 
Although if I have my perspective of Torah, if I put on my lens of Torah, I now know maybe I shouldn't be as involved in this, but it's mutar, I checked it off of my list. But it's too involved in this, you have to now, what's that, Ramban or Rabbi Lichtenstein? Ramban calls it Naval Birshuta Torah. Naval is a degenerate. Birshuta Torah says, within the permissibility of the Torah. But what they do outside of it, you have a specific quote, this is it. I mean, I don't know, you know, that's, you'll find it in many circumstances. But that's the point of Nefesh Hayim over here as well, right? Nefesh Hayim says you're looking to overcome your Nisurin, you're looking to overcome what seems to just be what came upon you from natural life, from something or another, from Torah. And that's the statement in the Torah initially as well. The statement in the Torah is when you eat from etzadat, my words, Rikanati's words, without etzahayim, not that I'm not permitting etzadat, I'm, I'm only permitting it with etzahayim, then you're going to die. It's the statement of the hachamim, which I love to cite as well, source number four, Masech Davod Azaran, receiving the Torah effectively before Heta Egel was the abolishing, the banishment of, of Malachamab. Death was no longer a reality for us. Of course, Haita uh, Ego uh, brings it right back. Why in that moment did we overcome death? Because in that moment we saw a life of Emet. So in that moment we revert, reversed ourselves, brought back, transplanted ourselves in a time prior to sin, in a, prior, in a time prior to autonomous thought in which I can determine what I'm doing in this domain because there is a divarishut. There's no divarishut, but I'm living in the... Are you living in the real world? Certainly. But it's all through a prism of Torah. It's all through a prism of, well, how do I go about this? To portray it a little bit further and to give you one or two more examples. Shohan Aruch here in Siman Memza in Sa'if Yod has the following halacha. We're all familiar with it. In the morning, we make two berkota Torah. It seems like three. We generally speak and count it as two. Al divre Torah, veha'arevna asher bacharbanu. Those are berkota Torah. Now, one of them, Asher Kedishan, certainly sounds like a Berkat mitzvah, but the other two are Berachot as well. You deal with Berachot, and then I prayed, I said some words of Torah, beginning of the prayer, maybe at the end of the prayer, but then I went about my life, and then I came to class in the afternoon, the evening, how come I don't, how come I don't make the Berachot again? When it comes to or many other mitzvot, so I'm wearing my tefillin, for example, I go to the bathroom, took off my tefillin, I come back and make a beracha again. I'm wearing my tefillin all day, it's a constant mitzvah, just like Talmud Torah. If I take them off to take a nap, I put them back on and I say a beracha. How come when it comes to Torah, it's different? Shohan Aruch is explicit. The halacha is if you seek milimod v'nitasek ba'asakav. If you stop study of Torah, you got involved with business. Kevan shidato lachzov v'limod lo have a hefsek. Since your mindset is to come back to it, it's not a hefsek. I don't understand, says Gaon Mivilna. How is that any different, source number six? How is it any different than Tefillin? I went to the bathroom. I'm clearly coming back to my place in Knees. I'm going to continue praying. Why is it any different? So another one of my father's rabbis, Rabbi Salvechik, said, here's the way it works on this matter. There's a major distinction between Tefillin and Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah, the very nature of the mitzvah is one in which, what? It is at all points. Because of the Pasuk. Because of the Pasuk. Because... Okay, that's my words. Because of my words, that says, says Jared, Vaisav, 
by Saf, our words are the Sivui. It's the Sivui of Agadosh Baruch Hu, which means to say there's a Sivui in everything. What do you mean a Sivui? Now I'm doing my business. Your business has to be painted by Achilat Kola Perot, meaning it's a Hayim as well. And as a result, it's qualitatively different than something like Tefillin or Tots. But it's 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 the mandate. mandate. So you'll say so you'll say to me, Robbie, we're not holding there. You'll say to me, we're not holding there. You want to know what halakha says to you, but this is part and parcel of what it means. So in other words, you're maybe you're not holding there, but you should be holding there. And as a result, we're not going to institute a biracha in that circumstance. This is the halakha. We're not assuming you're not you're transgressing the halakha. Said differently, Rabbi Salvechikin. This was said at uh, impromptu remarks at a siyum in source number eight. He described it as as a person who's a parent of a child. I love this example. You may have heard me say this example from him in the past. He says when you have a child and you're sitting and playing with your child mother who's playing with their child, the father who's playing with their child. So in that moment, their awareness of the child is what's called an acute awareness, he calls it. Call it a conscious awareness. The child is right there, you're playing with them, you're talking with them, you're looking into their eyes and so forth. You go out to work, you go out to the supermarket, wherever, whatever it is that you go out to do, you now, is they gone from your mind? They're not gone from your mind. It's what's called a latent awareness, or what we might call the subconscious, which means to say Torah needs to be vaisav. It's a constant in your life to the extent that that says, if it is so, now it's straightening you. It means that if I'm in this context, the way I'm overcoming or I'm avoiding the challenges of Yisurin is because I had my Yitzhahayim vision on, because I had Torah describing and determining for me what to do. See, you might say to me, it's, it's, not, it's impractical. It's just not the way we live. It's not a type of lifestyle we can achieve to be thinking about Torah. Again, we're talking about a latent awareness, not an acute awareness. To give you one or two examples. Well, we aspire to the acute awareness. Of right? course. Of course we aspire to acute awareness. But ultimately speaking, we live in this world. We live in a world of Tov and Ra, and we will always be working working with, if we do it right, a latent awareness, acute awareness, so during the moments that hopefully we're granted to actually endeavor into and study it directly. What's that? I will tell you that I, Rabbi Salvechik's father, I heard this from one of my rabbis, it was said about him that when his father, Abchaim Salvechik, had a question, he would wake him up in the middle of the night, he would rustle him in bed, he would ask him the question, I don't know about Netilat Yadayim, it's a great question, and he would ask him the question from a Tosafot, a Masechet Zivachim, he would blurt out the answer and then he'd go back to sleep. It, I mean, it's, it's quite a level, it's quite, quite, quite a reality. That's right, in other words, it's, it's standing even the night. But what I am telling you is that, What's that? That's correct. No, no, but Danny's asking me, when you're sleeping, is there still a latent awareness? I'm saying he had an acute awareness of some sort, but I think there has to be. I think there has we're to be. We're saying that we're just going to say it once a day. There was no interruption. Correct. We just say it once a day. But the That's night the ends it. The night breaks it. Because okay. the night is a subconscious state of oh, being during which we assume, yeah, again, so if that being the case, you should, the yeah, argument yeah. is, you should, you should constant, you should make one bracha for your whole life. That's, oh, that's what he says. Yom means day and night. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And to the extent that his argument is even a subconscious has a hadad. You took your mind completely off of it. Whereas Torah, impossible. It's a was Kadesh That's right. That's that's what's for. That's right. That's right. To give to give you 
to give you one or two examples along those lines, any, any mother and any good father, and you look at your child out of context, out of conversation, you look at them, you can immediately tell if something's disturbing them. How do you know that something's, everyone else looks at them and doesn't see it? Because you have a certain awareness, a certain understanding, because you know them, because they're on your mind, because you're in tune with them. That's the Eitzah Hayim, which pervades your life. That's in that relationship with the child. That in turn, if Torah, if Emet, is, is, your, is your connectedness in life, it means I know to stay away from this Yisurin. Uh, but Yisurin came upon me. I know how to get out of this. It's just something that's natural. Lehavdil again, what I once read, and I even heard it from him. Ron Darling, who's a broadcaster for the Mets, gives the following example. It's very relevant. I'm sorry, I gotta give this example. He says, in baseball, there's something called the check swing. Familiar with the check swing? How do you define a check swing? Nobody knows the answer. So he was a pitcher for the Mets. Now he's a broadcaster. He said, how did I? He said, I went to the umpires after my career, and I asked them, what's the definition of a check swing? He said, I have two svarot my word. He says, two svarot. It's either whether the bat goes halfway, more than halfway around the plate, or it's if your wrists turn. So he asked one umpire after another, and they all said to him, no and no. So which one is it? They said, if you offer at the pitch. Offer at the pitch? I can't explain to you what that means. Offer at the pitch? That's subjective. It's subjective, but, and here was his words, if you're in the game, you know what it means to offer at the pitch. Right, so it's another one of these, a latent awareness. If you get it, you're just in tune with it. That's the statement here as well. Yisurin ba'ina lav, mita, yeah, that's a reality of life, but if you're living with a perspective of Torah, then it's all Torah and you can't sever yourself from it. Harambam says it in a different context. Harambam in Perek Gimal of Echotamu Torah Halachadalit, citing from the Gemarat in first Perek Masechet Mu'ayt Katan, he distinguishes, he points out that although in general we say Ha'osek Ba Mitzvah Patum and Mitzvah, the Gemara Masechet Sukandaf Kafe says if you're immersed, if you're involved in one Mitzvah, you don't stop it in order to perform another Mitzvah. For Talmud Torah, it's different. For Talmud Torah, if you're studying Torah, you stop it to do a Mitzvah. If it's a Mitzvah, Ovid. If the mitzvah that you can't fulfill afterwards, it'll pass you by. Why so? Well, the Gemara is never fully clear. And Harambam's words are, what you need to do is, lav at the end of line number nine, uh, source number nine, Ya'aseh mitzvah. you go and do the mitzvah, and listen to his next words, V'yahzor letorato, I love those words. You do the mitzvah, and then you return to your Torah. Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, his kobetz he'arot, he says, what's going on over here? I don't understand. Talmud Torah, keneged gulam, it should be quite the opposite. If it's Talmud Torah, so Talmud Torah, is a constant and it needs to stay a constant. You don't stop Talmud Torah to fulfill a mitzvah. If it's value, if the Gemara says it's connected, if the Mishnah says it's connected, why would you stop Torah in order to perform a mitzvah? But here's the vantage point. The same way the Gemara in source number 11, mentions a well-known mahloket between Bishmael and Bishmon Ba Yochai about whether a person should involve themselves in this world in terms of making a career or making money and, and, and progressing or not, and the Gemara seems to determine that Rabbi Ishmael is the way that will be operative for most people. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Ishmael, that you involve yourself in this world, it just seems to be the way that works for human beings. Wait a second, how are you allowed to go and do that? If the Torah is a constant, how are you allowed to go out and make a living for yourself? Just study Torah all this, what God told you to do. What appears to be the reality is that as you go out and make a living and you involve yourself in those circumstances, in those moments you say you're patur from Talmud Torah. You say that this is a makom, I'm, I'm patur, it's on it. What am I supposed to do? I have to go out and make a, make a living. 
I'm going a step further. That's right. The step further is through the mitzvot and through the career that by definition needs to be a part of the Torah. In other words, the perspective of this overarching Torah involvement is such that by definition, when you stop to perform the mitzvah, it's not that you've severed yourself from Torah. That is Torah. That's the vice. It's eating from all the etzim, including etzahayim, together with etzadatovara. In short, Nefesh HaChayim set forth for us a bold statement from the Hachamim throughout this Perek. What he's stating for us is to overcome Yisurin, to overcome Yeser Hara, to overcome Mitah, so to speak. Now, Ralph will say, uh, studying Torah, but I don't see that happening. And it's an important question. The answer needs to be, but we haven't done it effectively. This is a challenge. It's a lifelong endeavor to be able to live a life to that extent. I will tell you, of course, it's not as, it's not... I will tell you, important. Because that's the reason why they say it. Because you're looking to your Torah, you see no problem with that, but you just said it. But that's the point. But you're supporting me. In other words, what Ralph is saying, if you started with Torah and you weren't able to rectify it, the Gemara says, which means to say, which means to say, it's afterwards, which means to say, if you studied Torah, but you didn't figure it out, means you're not doing it right. If you're not doing it right, so now you'll be able to do it right. But the general perspective is one in which our our lives must be painted by a prism, through a prism of Torah. If it's painted through that prism of Torah, it means both in the spiritual and even in the physical domains of our existence, those realms of life which appear to be outside of the purview of Torah will be altogether different and painted differently because Torah will be the perspective through which you see it. As a result, it won't have that effect over you. To get to this state of being, we had a Ma'amat Harsinai. To get to this state of being, we had before Akhila from Eitz Ultimately speaking, it's a challenge in life. We'll have moments where we're more effective at it and we'll have moments where we're further from it. Does it mean that a person who's suffering hasn't been studying Torah enough? Not really. There's a lot of other factors that come into play, of course, on this matter, but in its most ideal, its most pristine perspective and understanding that we can have is that Torah has that effect, that the vayisav, the ability to see our lives through Torah, is really that uh, ability to remedy our lives in totality. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.